0: Welcome back, everybody. If you have your Bible with you this evening, let me invite you to go back to the book of 1 Peter. And we are in chapter 3, and we're going to start this evening in verse 15, 1 Peter three fifteen. Uh, we are finishing out our series, Faith Refined by Fire. You know, I want to begin by just reminding us that um, in what has obviously been crazy times over the last several weeks and months, that I think the scripture is clear. And from my heart, I just want to remind us that the opportunity to share the hope that we have has never been more important, I believe, than right now. I think the opportunity and even the command of Scripture to evangelize, to share the hope that we have, to share the good news that we have, has never been more important than circumstances such as these. You know, even thinking about this weekend and the question of will there be a hurricane or will there not be a hurricane, if you think about a hurricane, what does does a storm like that do? Well, we know right off the bat, obviously, there's wind. And there is rain, but the reality, and I'm talking a big storm, when we get a big hurricane, what that storm does is it destroys everything that is not substantial enough to withstand its force. It destroys everything that is not able to hold up. And so what a hurricane will do is it will show us what is actually strong. It'll show us what's actually reliable or what's actually certain. Um, it is the same with challenges. It is the same with suffering or persecution or struggles or, or hurts or the discomforts and even the dangers that we have faced uh, in days gone by, and that we know from Scripture that we will face in days ahead, that those challenges destroy everything in your life that holds no substance. But it shows what is worthy of putting our hope in, in the middle of the storm, if you will. Where is your hope, and what do you place your hope in? Let's look at the Scripture this evening. This is verses 15 through 18 of 1 Peter chapter 3. The Scripture says this, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you Let's take a moment and let's just go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that all hope is in you. All strength, everything that is of substance, Lord, is in you. And regardless of the storms or the struggles for the attacks, Lord, that may come in this life, Lord, you are our solid foundation, our unshakable foundation. So we look to you this evening, Father, as you fill our hearts with your joy, would you teach us and show us afresh how to share, Lord, the hope that we have? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Three applications from the scripture this evening, they are these, make Christ your Lord, prepare to speak and share your hope. So number one, beginning. Number one says, make Christ your Lord. And we get this at the very beginning of verse 15. And the idea here that Peter wants us to understand is this, that if the gospel has not changed your heart, then it has changed nothing. In your heart, on the deepest level, um, the most important things is He, Lord, in your life not me, not you, not what culture says, not what peer pressure brings, not what any politician may say, but Jesus. Is Jesus Lord in your life? See, when it gets hard to follow Jesus, that's when you find out who's really Lord in your heart, what you really love, what you're really committed to no matter what. And so the Scripture says of our heart then that we ought to honor Christ as holy. And the language there is literally the word sanctify, that we ought to sanctify the Lord as holy. Now that's a big Bible word, so let's think about that for a second. When God sanctifies us, He makes us holy. He sets us apart for His service. He refines our faith in the fire. He grows us up to be more in the image of His Son. When we then sanctify the Lord, we set Him apart and say Jesus is Lord and Him alone in our lives, and we confess that with our heart and with our tongue. Regardless, regardless of what anyone else in contemporary culture may say, regardless of what is popular or what is trendy, let's return to saying and believing that Jesus is Lord believing and declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord of this nation, that we are bold in declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord of this world, because Jesus was there at creation. Jesus made the world, and then He came to earth. He lived the perfect life. He rose from the dead. He will come again, and He will return to judge all humanity and to take His people home with him. You know, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, has has a very sobering word that's going to tie into this passage. Matthew 10, 28 says this: And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Where, where, where does Peter see this, this rubber hitting the road? Well, Peter is going to give us yet another reality here. He's going to help us understand that when we make Christ our Lord in our hearts, that He calls us to trade our fear of men for a fear or an honor of the risen Lord. Look at the two verses that precede our passage this evening. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Now, who is there to harm you? if you are zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Peter says, who will harm you if you do good? Now, part of what he is saying here, remember Peter has already encouraged us, that even government itself, that it has been ordained by God to commend those who do right and to punish those who do evil. But we understand that even those institutions, that all people are sinners and will inevitably fail at that effort. And so, this message here is specifically to equip us that when we suffer as believers for fearing or or honoring Christ… He's not promising an exemption from suffering in this life. He's promising that even in the storms, even in the pandemic, even when wickedness prevails in our world, even when sadness overwhelms us, even when we feel attacked for our faith, even in death, that Jesus saves those who put their faith and trust in Him for an eternity in a place called heaven. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Psalm 56.4, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? John 16.33, in this world, says Jesus, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. The Scripture here calls us, when we make Christ our Lord in our hearts, one function of that new reality is that we trade our fear of men for a fear, an honoring of the risen Lord. See, before the resurrection took place, Peter himself was too afraid to speak about the Lord. There's a moment when Jesus is being betrayed and He's going to be taken to the cross that a teenage girl of some sort, a servant, comes to Him and says, aren't you one of those men who follows Jesus? Aren't you a Christian? And He cowers in fear and He runs away. But after the resurrection, after He saw the risen Lord Jesus, Peter boldly speaks, to a room full of dangerous men, the Jewish high court, all of whom had the ability to have him killed immediately. And in Acts chapter 5, he says, we must obey God rather than men. There is no other name, he says, Peter, under heaven given by which we may be saved, but the name of Jesus. The fear of death has been nullified by Jesus' resurrection. You know, in, this, in this era of, of coronavirus, whether you worship here or you worship with us at home, set apart Christ as Lord. In a time of social upheaval and fears and questions and, and violence and injustice, remember the resurrection of Jesus. Fear the Lord and your, your fear of sharing your hope, your fear of evangelism even, will disappear when our Our honor or our fear of the Lord comes to the forefront. Freedom from fear and making Christ Lord in our hearts leads us to sharing, speaking the good news. Number two, prepare to speak. And we get this from the middle part of verse 15. Honor Christ as Lord, always ready to give an answer. You know, that word defense or answer, it gets translated a couple different ways. Defense, answer, or even as apology. Not like I'm sorry, but apology as in an apologist, one who reasonably defends or explains the Christian faith and why we believe what we believe about this risen Jesus. So, in one sense, you can think in terms of a courtroom situation where you are defending giving a defense of the truth. But the very real application here is also thinking in terms of relationships, everyday conversations, and giving an answer for the hope that you have to joyfully, gently, and respectfully, as the the word says here, explain your hope in Christ. You know, Peter doesn't teach us here to withdraw from society in order to preserve our safety. What he says is that a heart for God leads us to a heart for others. A heart for God causes us to press into, to care for others, because we cannot live in fear of what someone might say or someone might think when we speak about the gospel. You know, I just want to encourage us tonight, two practical ways that we can speak the gospel, the power, uh, first of all, that we have in God's Word, to speak God's Word. You know, if you think about it, what's, what's your story? How did God change your heart? How did God bring you to faith? Well, chances are at some point God's Word was a part of a powerful message that began to change your heart. And it's worth asking, do we believe in God and do we trust God that He still can change hearts the way that we read in Scripture? Do we trust that God is sovereign and in total control and that He is good? This passage encourages us to bind the Word of God to our hearts. And what I mean very practically is to memorize, to fill our minds with the words of Scripture and in particular, Scripture that are simple and clear presentations of the gospel. Somewhere along the way, we've lost that commitment, that discipline of memorizing and committing the Word of God to our hearts and minds. And I want to encourage us specifically towards that. Um, I've shared before, but uh, in my own life, I did a, a missions trip To Mexico City when I was a college student for several months. And while I was there, I was in Spanish classes and I was learning how to speak the language and I was learning how to evangelize and share the hope that I had. But my Spanish was not good. And so I I found that one of the key ways that I could share and speak the good news while still learning the language, while still learning how to do it, was to memorize the scripture and to share those verses that I had memorized, even in, in Spanish. And the verses that I memorized are what's known as the Romans Road. And the Romans Road is a long-time classic way of being able to share the gospel. It's five simple verses that I want to walk you through real quickly, and I want to challenge you. I want to ask our church to be serious about memorizing or maybe recommitting these verses to your heart and mind so that when conversations pop up that you can go to the heart of the gospel from God's Word look at the Romans road with me. The first is Romans 3.23. And Romans 3.23 simply says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what we're told there very clearly is that every single human being that's ever lived has a sin problem that separates us from God. Secondly, Romans 6.23 explains a little bit further, gives us the bad news and the good news of the gospel. And if you can only share one verse let it be this one. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that tells us again that the payment that we deserve for our sin is death, that sin is serious, but that Jesus has died that death in our place. And that there is a free gift that has been made available by the Son of God. The third one is Romans 5.8, and this expresses more of God's love for us. It tells us, but God shows His love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This tells us clearly that that we weren't looking for God, that it's not about our love or our ability or our living a great life. It's about God's love and pursuit of us, that when we didn't want Him, that He wanted us. Number four, Romans ten thirteen, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That anyone, anyone, all you have to do is cry out to God, to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and say, "Save me," and He promises that his answer is always yes." And then fifth and finally, Romans 10:9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved." The reality of speaking the truth that is reflected in our heart if we believe that there is salvation in Jesus. Those five simple verses, the power of the word of God, a word of hope. But the second is this. The second is a powerful word of your own, your own story. And and that just means all of us who have come to know Jesus and his hope and his new life, we've got a story. And to be able to share with others personally, hey, this is what God has done in my life. This is how God saved me. This is how God changed my life and how he's changing it even now. To just share the hope that we have. You know, for myself, I was surrounded by the gospel. I was surrounded by the church and believers throughout um, the first 16 years of my life, and yet somehow I heard it, but I didn't believe it. I didn't internalize it. And as I continued through life, even as a teenager, um, I hit a rough road. I began to be depressed more and more, and um, I actually became very angry at God when we moved across the country, and I I just pushed what I knew of God further and further away. And at the same time, I kind of thought, you know, as long as I'm a really good person, that's all that really matters, both in this life and in the life to come. But I, I, I realized that I was beginning to come up short. But I also was, out of my anger, I, I doubted God. I questioned God's existence. But what the Holy Spirit began to do in my heart was to drive me to the Word of God. And I began to read through the eyes of faith, I think, for the first time. and began to ask God, "What show yourself to me. And as I read the Word more and more and became more acquainted with what God's Word said, I felt like... It was the best. It was the only explanation for who we were and how we got here and the realities of life that I saw. And there was a point, I remember being 16 years old and, and overcome with anxiety and concern and fear, and I, and I, I stopped. I was mowing my, my yard, the front yard, and I stopped. I pushed the mower away, and I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. I probably prayed a thousand more times that year because I was still coming to understand that salvation was not about praying the perfect prayer. It was not about being a good person. It was about God's grace. It was about His love and His forgiveness towards me. But from that moment forward, I have never been the same. I now have an unshakable joy and a hope that regardless of whatever circumstances or pain may come, that I trust in Jesus. I know He is real. I know He is there for me and in my life. You know, my purpose that I didn't have before is clear. My mission in Christ is made clear. So I trust Him. You know, I don't know what your story is, but to, to know and to prepare to think through what did God do in my life? And what's He doing even now that I can share with another person? I can share with them the hope that I have. And that brings us to number three, share your hope. And this is the end of verse 15. Listen to verse 15 one more time. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. You know, there's an important question I think this passage begs of us, and and I just want us all to stop for a second and seriously consider this question in our own lives. When is the last time that someone asked you about the hope that you have? I heard this question earlier this week, and I I was really humbled as I thought about Am I living a life? Am I showing with the way that I speak, with the, the words that I choose, with my countenance, with the lifestyle that I carry, the way that I speak to my family and to other people? Does it show that I have hope or does it show that I'm hopeless? You know, these are some difficult times that we've begin to experience here in, in our little part of the world. But the question that we should be asking ourselves in difficult times is, do people see in me hope? When they look at me, when they listen to me, when they interact with me, do they come away having experienced in some way Jesus, the hope of Jesus? Or for many of us, I think we are presently driven by fear, driven by alarm or panic or or mainstream media or politics or false worldviews that creep in or weather reports, or whatever, instead of being driven by the unshakable faith that God is in control, that God is good, and that He has a good purpose, that God is good even when evil exists in our world and we see it on display? Are we convinced and do we show that hope that God loves us even though we don't deserve it? Are we remembering that God still saves people and changes people's lives? Are we filled with the hope and the joy that God saved me and with the belief and the faith that God can save our neighbor or our family member or our friend or even our enemy? Do we have that kind of hope and do we speak and do we share it? You know, I was in our community Bible reading this week, and earlier this week, John chapter 12 was the New Testament chapter for us to read, and there was a verse in John chapter 12 that really jumped out at me. What's happening in John chapter 12 is Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, Um, and everybody knows it. People have seen it clearly, and He had done, Jesus had done so many signs, miracles, spoken the truth, and yet the vast majority would not believe. But listen to what the Scripture says in John chapter 12 about some people who did believe in Jesus, and listen to what they did. This is not what the Scripture is calling us to do. Listen to John 12:42. "...nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in Him." They so that is government or spiritual authorities of some kind in Israel that many people who were in power politically and socially, that they actually believed in Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. They did not talk about, they did not speak about the hope that they had in Jesus. Why? So that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Man, that just hit me. The Scripture is saying, don't live in fear of sharing the hope that you have. I promise you the glory of God surpasses the glory of man instead. I want to challenge us to, to use this question, this leading question More often in our daily conversations, can I tell you why I still have hope? So many people in our circles are walking around without hope. Can I, in gentleness and respect, can I tell you why I still have hope? Believer, you and I have a reason for hope. The same God who did miracles back then, is the same God who lives in you today. The same God who carried the church through biblical and all kinds of historical crises way beyond what we've ever seen. That same God is in you. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead. That same God loves you. You New City Church, we worship together for five months. At Bayside High School. It has now been five months since we have been able to be together and worship together. It's frustrating. It's challenging right now. But the mission of God is bigger than our circumstances. God's power and the hope that we have is so much bigger than our teeny tiny little challenges. Hope supersedes circumstances, and I hope that you can see that reality. What I know is more powerful than what I sometimes feel. What I read in Scripture supersedes what I hear in the world. You know, my study Bible As I was looking at verse 15 this week of this chapter, my study Bible said this about verse 15. It said, We await an eternal glory that will make the hardships of this life, though genuinely painful, ultimately have the significance of a scratch on the penny of a millionaire. I love that idea that as believers, we're millionaires, and when we hit difficult circumstances, it's a scratch on one of our pennies. That's what we have in Christ. Why? Because Jesus suffered and died for you, and because Jesus is alive today. This passage ends in verse 18. 1 Peter three eighteen says this, "...for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit." This verse is, is one of the most profound, richest, clearest, and at the same time shortest gospel presentations in the whole Bible. There is powerful doctrine here in this, in this passage. The, the, what's taking place here we refer to as penal substitutionary atonement. Three big words, but what they mean is simply this, penal, that Jesus paid the penalty of death. He paid the penalty of death for our sins by dying on the cross. Substitutionary, where it says the righteous for the unrighteous, that Jesus was a substitute for you and for me, that He stood in our place. Atonement, that He might bring us to God, says the Scripture, that that Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who has the power to undo the effects of sin and restore us to God penal substitutionary atonement, that that is what Christ has done for us. That is why we have hope. But remember this, believer, Jesus is not a dead hero. He is alive and reigns in victory. God made Him alive again. He has gone into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He is the conqueror over every sin, over Satan, and over death, and we share in His triumph, and we share in His life, and we share in His hope. Amen. Let's take a moment and let's pray together.